What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for staying up late with us. It is post loons. It is April. Actually, one for one more minute. It's April twenty second, two thousand twenty three. Here, no, not even time. five seconds. It just turned midnight. <laughs> it just turned midnight. So officially, April twenty third, two thousand twenty three. It is post loons. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me tonight, for the first time, his first edition on, of uh, post loons. His first time on post loons here. Uh, David Naylor at Prof Cedar on Twitter. David, thank you so much for staying up late with me as well to break down this one nil Minnesota United loss. Um, I guess first things first, how how are how are you feeling right now? Is the sky falling? Look, I if you asked me at the final whistle, which as we record was half an hour ago, I was real mad at the final whistle, which we can get into in a bit. I have that as a as a thing I want to talk about later in the show. But I've I've talked through some stuff, I've looked up some numbers, so I'm feeling it's a road loss in MLS by one goal. And I'm, I'm angrier because it's Seattle, if I'm being honest, but like, that's what it yeah. is. <laughs> it is Minnesota United's now eighth consecutive loss at Lumen Field since joining Major League Soccer. That is pretty wild. As Dominic Jose Bazonio reminded me on 10,000 pitches this week, they were actually robbed of a draw in Seattle in their first time at Lumen Field since joining MLS uh, in 2017. That was about as close as they got, aside from tonight, to getting a result. Uh, and, and, uh, and and 2020, the most painful. We, 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 we forget. We, we're we're the forgetting most painful that of them because they we were real close in 2020. We don't we don't talk about that one though, David. We pretend that oh, I'm going to talk about that game exist. later too. I got a point about that game. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But yes, it was a one nil result in Seattle. Uh, Seattle Sounders' favor. It was David Rusnak in the 79th minute, uh, cleaning up a, a clearance from Mickey Tapias to give Seattle the win. As you guys are tuning in here on the show, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, leave a question or comment for us to respond to. We probably won't get too much live interaction tonight considering it is 12.02 a.m., but if you want to leave a question or comment, give us your thought on the 1-0 loss. Please go ahead and do that in the chat. If you're watching us on Twitter and you want to interact with the show, you're going to have to go to our YouTube channel and do that. So go to YouTube.com, search Post Loon, search Soda Soccer, and you can interact with the show. Drop a question or comment. We'll be happy to respond to that on the air uh, but david it's time to get into our three things start this off as we always do three points each uh from uh from the match uh kind of just some, some general thoughts and i will let you go first so my first point which was kind of a recurring topic i tweeted through a lot of this match on twitter as many of you who follow me probably know at this point and what it it almost appeared to me i will say this jokingly but this is how it looked at times it looked like there was a force field around Seattle's 18 yard box, mm -hmm. which if any time a Minnesota player walked through that force field, they forgot how their feet worked mm -hmm. um, pretty much throughout the evening. Doesn't matter who it was like not blaming any particular player, whether it was Luis Almaria when he came onto the field, whether it was um, Bongi when he was in, whether it was Song Bin when he came in, just stuff didn't do what it was supposed to do because honestly, for the majority of this match, right up until Seattle scored in the 80th minute, I thought that Minnesota's build-up play and their counterattacking play was really, really good mm -hmm. right up until the final third. Yeah, It was the balls into the final third were where things fell apart because Min Minnesota had probably one clear-cut chance in this game. In the 40th minute, the chance that was Robin Lud had a shot blocked, followed by Songbin missing a shot um, above high and above the goal on a, re on a deflection. Um it just 
there were there was plenty of space for Minnesota to attack for most of this game in the first half. Seattle was turning the ball over in midfield. They were doing, being really aggressive in the press. Robin Lewis had several opportunities to attack and press forward, and they got up the feet. Like, they didn't turn it over themselves. They got up to the 18-yard box and then just shot it out of play or passed it straight to an opponent or dribbled into three people. Like, every single player on Minnesota, it just – the final piece of this just did not work tonight. You can call yeah. it lack of quality – you can call it, oh, it rained and the pitch was miserable because that was a lot of the passes I saw that didn't work for both teams. It's like, y'all are playing on a wet pitch and the ball's skidding and that just happens. Yeah. But, like, it just – that was the failing for Minnesota tonight. Not not necessarily anything on defense. It's just they could not get that final ball together. Yeah, believe me, it feels like this is sort of a common theme where we talk about Minnesota United's attack. They're missing that final ball. They're missing that final chance. They're missing that final I've heard touch. Adrian but, Heath say this in a press conference before multiple I've, times. I've heard him say it multiple times, yes. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things. It just seems to be this team's Achilles heel time and time again. It's not generating chances. It's generating quality enough chances to finish or generating the shot that is going to give you the goal and sort of put the momentum in your favor. They they lack that tonight. They've lacked that for a lot of this season. Um, a lot of the goals they're getting are very, you know, rebound-based, right outside the six, you know, that sort of thing where they're cleaning up rebounds. I, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of a goal in open play that was actually built up and finished, like, nicely. I think maybe Mender Garcia's header – off of Zarek Valentin's cross against Vancouver is probably the only one that really comes to mind in a goal that was actually built up to and finished as opposed to a rebound opportunity or a set piece or a PK. Um, so that is definitely something to keep an eye on as we move forward in the season. Can Minnesota actually build up and generate goals from open play? They haven't really shown it to be something that they can really do so far this season. If you're going to be that sort of team that just sort of hangs out around goal to clean up rebounds or, or whatever it is, um, you're going to really have to embrace more of your defensive side. And that is my first thing is, you know, Minnesota has really gone over the last two games with same Ben Jong a more traditional four, two, three, one, where he is a true cam. He is a true central attacking midfielder, a true number 10 that is really trying to dictate the attack uh, in that regard. We hadn't seen that prior to his coming into the team. What we had seen is a much more defensive-based style. Now, even with saying Ben, you can say this team is definitely relying more defensive, and that is true. But in the early part of the season, you really saw this team just defend, 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 and then get a goal any way you can, whether it's off a rebound, whether it's off a PK, whether it's off a set piece, doesn't matter. We're going to defend. We're going to keep the other team off the board and just trust that we are going to find a way to get a goal somehow, some way. With the integration of saying Ben, they're being a little bit more intentional in the attack, which is great. But I do think that they are sacrificing enough in the defense where it could actually cost them results by doing that. You know, I, I'm the, the initial thing that comes to mind to me is maybe you go back to a 4-4-2. 
Maybe you go back to the 4-2-3-1-4-3-3 hybrid that you were running earlier in the season where Lud was technically the 10, but it was playing more of a defensive style, having more defensive responsibilities. They're relying on back pressing from strikers a lot more in the early part of the season, more collective defensive effort. We haven't really seen that in these last two matches with the integration of Sang Bin, and I'm sure that's on purpose. But I actually think in the long run that might actually be hurting this team more than it's helping, considering what they may be sacrificing on the defensive side. Well, and 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 in regards to Sandman's role in particular, I it we're reading small sample sizes here, right? Like mm-hmm. I wrote about Sandman's first start last week on the website, which you should go read. I had a lot of fun. Yeah trying to divine some things from what we saw last weekend in his game in his game so what what we notice is he played 30 minutes in his debut off the bench played 60 minutes last week played 70 minutes tonight so what that looks to me like the goal is that he is not one of the players that you necessarily want to sub off in this game as adrian keith that he is an integral part of your starting lineup and it's not going to be like the mender Luis rotation we see pretty consistently at this point at 60 or 70 minutes of swap the striker, see what happens. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see if that develops. And as you said, the formation question, I have been thinking the four, four, two thoughts myself, because we did see that earlier this season. And I'd be very interested to see Songbin and Mender up top together because they've had like more, last game than this game there's they have some really interesting interplay that they can do and they were already starting to develop some chemistry so unlock that give that more to work with yeah no i i I completely agree and it allows you to sort of do that and still have that more defensive shape that will hopefully get you more clean sheets down the road um in the regards of subbing same ben off no you don't want to sub him off in a nil nil game you don't want to sub him off when you're level or when you're down you ideally want to when he's in and when you're playing that more attacking style you want to get a goal or two and sub him off when you're up one nil two nil two one so you can go more defensive uh with uh with your personnel over the last 15 20 minutes the problem is that hasn't really happened uh over these first two over these uh his first two appearances his first two starts i should say so we'll have to see kind of how his role adapts moving forward but it definitely seems like this is where adrian heath envisions saying ben playing is the number 10 underneath the striker with lid to his right and bongi to his left the one thing i could see maybe changing is maybe you start fragapani as opposed to bongi moving forward because bongi just seems he's had some moments and he's putting in the effort but he just it doesn't seem to be all there with him right now. What, and I think what, it's not all I there. Find, what I would Go find ahead. interesting with that is Bungie has done a great job tracking back he in has. this. Because that's one of the things tonight is he was in the box all the time towards the end of the game, getting getting interceptions, getting getting what he can get to retain possession and to track back defensively. Franco's tracking back, I have not been overly impressed with in his Minnesota United career. I'm not going to lie. That's fair. So maybe, like, on the, on that same note of give and take, do you give too much more defensively to start Franco, yeah. who is probably even more attacking-minded than Bungie is? So, that like, that might be the calculus in Adrian Heath's head, as you're already sacrificing something from the defensive shape you had before Song Mid came into the team. Mm-hmm. Do, can you sacrifice even more... And will it hurt you even more if you do that? So I'd be interested yeah. to see if that's part of his thought process. No, then that that's totally fair, and that's 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 something that he could be thinking as well. Because you're right, Bongi is he's 
in terms of being a two-way player, he has really added that dimension to his game this year, which Absolutely. is, I think, all, all, you know, been a net positive for Minnesota. But over the last two games, you've kind of seen uh, some of the bad of Bongi show up and the good, obviously, with the goal in, mm-hmm. in the last game as well. Um, go ahead and uh, hit us with your, with your uh, second thing, David. So I, I mentioned earlier I was a lot more frustrated at the closing whistle than I am right now. They just shut up shop and went home after Seattle scored, and it was yep. deeply frustrating to me. Yep. From the 80th, Seattle scored, Rushtak scored the goal in the 79th minute, right? So you have 10 minutes plus three minutes of stoppage time, and it ended up being 13 minutes to work with, right? Mm-hmm. Minnesota had one attack that turned into a really good free kick opportunity for Kervin Ariaga. He that he hit not too far over the goal. It's similar to the one that he hit uh, against the crossbar in the Orlando game last week, I think. And that was like the only thing they did in Seattle's half in that 13 minutes. Yeah. Which it, what what really got to me is like they get a turnover and they're passing the ball along the back line and they can't get out of their own half. Like. Mm-hmm. You have to try. Yeah, you have to you advance have the ball. <laughs> hit it long. Hit it like hit yeah. it up to Luis. Let him play back to goal. That's in theory one of the things he can do pretty well. And just do something aggressive. You're losing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that annoyed me. They did. They just gave up and shut up shop and like we're gonna go home one nil and that's it. Yeah, you could you could feel the dejection from the team after giving up that goal, and they had defended so hard all match long to try to keep Seattle off the board. Um, you know, it didn't help that Minnesota wasn't able to take their chances in the first half or even early in the second to relieve some of the pressure off of the defense uh, to hold a clean sheet like that. So, yeah, I mean, and then you could, you could, you saw some heads hanging after that goal over the last 15 minutes or so, for sure. Um, some heads hanging, man. Luis Amaria's confidence has to be, uh at an all-time low right now just the way he's playing and the way he just is kind of looking on the pitch and that's my second thing is um i'm i don't even know at this point if you can if you can play him and that's that's coming from i've always kind of rooted for amaria obviously i want him to to succeed on this team but it's been eight matches are we eight matches in now and it's yeah and you're we're just not we're just not seeing it you're just not seeing it with him and you're not seeing it in a way where it's like, he's playing good enough. He's just not, you know, he's not impressing. Okay. He's not, you know, being that, that DP level striker. It's not even that he's not even looking, looking serviceable uh, right now during his, during his cameos on the pitch. And I just, I, he had the the counter attack where he and Bongi were just not on the same page, passes it directly to Seattle. That's probably one of the instances you were talking about earlier, David. Uh, and then a couple minutes later, he does find the ball at his feet right at the edge of the 18 and he dribbles 10 yards, the wrong direction and plays it back. And exactly. all of a sudden the loons have to recycle because and like yeah. you see confidence when a player has that, when a player is willing to take the shot, like Bongi, right? He didn't play well attacking tonight, but he was trying. Yeah. Lynn Louis, he was inside the 18 when he got that ball and he had mm. space to try to get a shot away. And he turned shoulder away from goal and went 
the other way and passed it back. That is a shooting opportunity that you were set up for. Yeah. I don't care if it gets blocked. I don't care if you hit it wrong. Just try. Yeah. It was, it was, it was very frustrating for me to watch as well. And it's just, it's, it's just compiling on now the, the just wolf moments that we were seeing from Luis Amaria uh, this season. And, and you got to wonder where his confidence level is. And if he's able, even at a point where he can, he can recover any sort of confidence and get back to any sort of form that's going to help Minnesota United moving forward. He um, needs to start on Tuesday. Yeah, no, hundred percent. He does. Absolutely, he does. He needs to score. And he needs to start, and he needs to get a goal against Detroit City. He needs like that, to just that, find a way to hit the, the back of the net. Opportunity here is like, yeah. If for any striker, it's you need to see one hit the back of the net, yeah. and like we can think about last year and you know Mahan, whatever we want, and that could very well happen again. But a cup game against lower league opposition should be a great opportunity for a striker to actually get a goal or two to their name and get something back in the positive graces of both the fan base and of their own mentality no i i totally agree with that and that that's kind of almost your your put up or shut up moment if you're yep. adrian heath for Luis Amaria. if you can't perform against detroit city sorry we can't run you out there against portland we can't run you out there against i don't know if they play cincinnati this year but since i think they do play cincinnati against cincinnati against you know some of these teams in the western conference that they're going to be playing once again this season it's just it's one of those things where he needs to step up or he's going to find himself not getting those opportunities moving forward or at least he shouldn't all right david thing three uh, so thing three, I in in my browsing of the Minnesota United community on my timeline, I saw a lot of people complaining about the fact that Minnesota finished this game with 34% possession, which like, yeah, that's what it looked like. And it looked like they were playing on the counter and it looked like that was kind of what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand people's frustration with that, but I think it is a little bit short-sighted. Can I offer you some numbers really quick, Jeremy? Oh, I would love to hear some numbers. Since this is what I do, I I had this one ready somewhat from last year. I wrote this on the team website last year at some point, and I tracked some numbers back. Fun fact, last season, Minnesota had five games in which they had under 40% possession. They were 5-0 and in those games. They won yeah. every single one. Since 2019, so throw out the first two years of club history, take every year they've been playoffs or playoff relevant since then. There have been, including tonight, 28 games in which Minnesota has had under 40% possession. I looked up the possession numbers on footballreference.com. Minnesota United in those games has gone 18-5-5 with under 40% possession. 18 wins out of 28 games. Yep. And they haven't been like the best team in MLS during those years. So it's not just a symptom of that. They win games when they go down like this. The famous victory in 2000, believe it was the 2019 season, the game that Mason Toy scored a brace to beat LAFC. They won an MLS game with 24% possession. That's insane. I didn't this realize the possession was that low. Does and if you don't know that, you have not been watching this team well enough. Yeah. He will never admit to it, but this team has always played well on the counter. They've always been able to find results this way. Yeah. This game tonight is the first game they've lost since September 2021, when they've had under 40 percent possession in a game. Mm-hmm. 
unfortunately, one of the five games they've lost since 2019 was the 3-2 loss in the Western Conference Finals in 2020 on this field. Mm-hmm. So, like, I unfortunately found that as part of this. So, if anyone can beat it, it's Seattle. But, yeah. it, like, I don't have a problem with them playing on the counter against probably superior opposition. They've done it before. They know how to do it, and they can get a result. They've proven this year they can get results like this already. They, yeah. This is the one, two, three. Uh, it's the fourth game they played under thirty percent, oh, under forty percent possession this year. The win over Colorado, the win over Dallas, and the draw of Vancouver. Like mm. the draw of Vancouver, in which Vancouver scored an equalizer in the ninety-eighth minute of ninety of six minutes of stop of, of, of six minutes. Ahead <laughs> of, like so, arguably they could have been on an eight-game winning streak, winning, not draws, winning. Mm-hmm. With under forty percent possession, possession is not the problem. No, it's not. And, and there's there's certain stats, and I've you know the more I watch soccer, especially at different levels, the more I sort of realize this. The way certain teams are built, there are actually certain stats that are counterproductive to those teams. If you are a team that lacks height, that lacks ability to get up and meet across, the more crosses you put in is actually a the way I say it, a counterproductive stat for your team. If you're a team like Minnesota United who thrives on the counter, who thrives in being defensively focused, who thrives in keeping clean sheets and then hitting other teams and taking your chances on the counter when you get them, if you get 65 70% possession, that actually might be a counterproductive stat to your team. Um, not saying that they should aim for 25 to 30% possession every single game, but the, there are certain ways that certain teams play where it's not the best indicator of success, as you're mentioning. Um, and so, yeah, it's not a surprise to me at all. And, um, you know, to see that, and obviously that's sort of traditional line of thinking. If you get out possessed two to one, you probably didn't end up on the right side of the score line. Not the case for Minnesota. Um, so I, I, that's, that's great research and insight. That's exactly why, uh, we have you here. Uh, that, that, you're, you're the guy for that. You're the stats guy. Um, my third thing is it's it's simple but i want to have a a conversation about this because we were very high on minnesota actually okay nationally uh there were a lot of outlets most outlets were very low on minnesota coming into the season because obviously you're missing emmanuel reynoso um they start the season five matches unbeaten the perception changes now all of a sudden as minnesota united fans and supporters and followers were thinking okay this team's actually got something they've maybe they figured it out without reynoso and now we have the three match losing streak so we've kind of hit this roller coaster where should the expectations be for this team moving forward is this team good enough to be a top five team in the west like they were after five matches is this team good you know should should we expect this team to miss out on the playoffs completely? Like, where do the expectations lie for this team? Is there some middle ground there? Because the way I the way I looked at it coming into the the season, they were probably a fringe playoff team. They're probably going to make the playoffs, probably in that eight nine one of those extra spots, if you will. That's kind of how I thought. After the five game unbeaten streak, I was like, okay, maybe they are able to kind of get up into that top five, you know, potentially if they can keep this up. Now after three three straight matches lost with basically a full strength roster for two of them. Uh, It's, it's tough for me to kind of pick where this team is going to end and where this team really lies in the Western conference. What do you think about that, David? So I would not so much look at the top as at the bottom for Minnesota's considerations, right? Okay. 
I think the expectation of fringe playoff going into, into the year, that's where I was at with them. That's where they're at now. Like they're seventh and on 11 points still through eight matches, which is above a whole host of other teams that are below them, but you don't see them at the same quality level as you see Seattle, LAFC, Dallas, who I believe they see next in the league. Yep, next Sunday. Who are all above them now. And that's okay. Like, in terms of the attack, which I think is the question at this point, is where the goals are going to come from. Mm-hmm. They are a bottom five team in the West. Yep. Only five teams in the West have not scored double-digit goals on the season. Minnesota is one of those five. They're the best position of the five, but that's a fact. They only have eight goals on the season. Mm-hmm. And that's not enough. Like, you can no. try to nil-nil draw your way into the playoffs in MLS. It's probably not going to work. No. You cannot get wins if you cannot score goals. And right now, their offense is not good enough to get wins. You can lean on the defense. You can lean on Dane all you want. But you're not going to get into the higher playoff positions if you're not winning games. Yeah. So, but at the same time, you look at the bottom of the West, right? Kansas City is an atrocity. Mm-hmm. They're terrible. I don't think Minnesota is going to finish below Kansas City in the table. The you talk about struggling are, to score goals. Yeah, they have scored <laughs> three on the season. Which is by far an MLS record for fewest goals at this point in the season. I believe at this point, eight matches into, or I think, I actually think they played all nine. I don't think they've had a bye week yet. That's um, nine, ma- nine matches into the season. I believe six goals was the fewest that a team had scored up to this point in the season until then. And Kansas city has three. So anyways, and, and, and they are the only team in MLS not to have won a single game. The only one. Mm-hmm. So like that's that fixture is coming up in a couple weeks and it's going to be something. Yeah. They see Kansas city on May 13th. So that'll, that'll be a telling statement of where Minnesota is at as a team. If they can't figure something out by then, but yeah. You have them. You have the Galaxy, who have been in complete shambles kind of the entire season, mm-hmm. other than playing LAFC. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> you have Colorado, who took a point off LAFC tonight, but have been kind of bad. You have Austin, who we expect to be better than this. And you have Portland, who looked like garbage until they beat Seattle last week. Yeah. So, to a certain point, does Minnesota have more upside? than most to all of the current bottom five teams in the West. Probably. You you can be optimistic and say, like, if they can figure out how to score goals, there's no world where they should finish worse than ninth. Mm-hmm. It's MLS, so it's not going to be that simple. But, like, with how some of these teams have started and how disjointed some things appear, they should be able to get results against the teams that they should be better than. A result like tonight, Seattle is a perennial playoff team, is second in the West, is 6-2-1 and one on the season so far, and you're playing at their place where you haven't won in 100 years. Yeah. Like, it's a loss. It happens. This is part of the game. Now, if you start seeing your – they see Dallas next, but then you have Kansas City, Portland, Austin, all in the month of May. They're yeah. all on the road. But those are all teams you should be better than, right? Correct. Like, and Minnesota's been really good on the road up until up until tonight. Up until tonight. But that's where you need to start 
seeing having some different expectations is like tonight yeah you lost to a better team the win over st louis on the road looks like a really really quality win on the road right now yeah because city is really good yeah so now you need to go beat the bad teams like that's what is going to be the defining part of this season as it is so much of the time for minnesota is you can get results against the good teams all you want you must take care of business against the teams that you should be better than yeah no that that's a good way to look at it too when you look at some of those bottom tier teams it's you know minnesota definitely seems structurally now is as the roster stands better than those teams but then you look at where they could be organizationally in a, a few months when you hit the summer transfer window do do they potentially have two potential dp slots that they could fill at that time with whatever happens with Emmanuel Reynoso and do they buy down Luis Samaria at that point too, which they can definitely do. So there's things they can do to even improve the team further as they go on in the season. Um, so that is, there's room for optimism there in terms of the expectations uh, side as well. Uh, let's get to a few questions and comments coming in. I appreciate everybody interacting us with us late night here. Uh, Chris Alphaby says pretty typical Minnesota United game for this year. A few promising moments that weren't high danger, that didn't go in. Random brain fart by defense leads in goal, and boom, they lost. Yeah, look, they don't, they, I think that's kind of what we've been getting to. They haven't gotten enough in, in the attack to withstand a blinking moment from the defense. And that's what we got tonight. And that's what we've gotten the last three matches. You've had two straight matches where the opposing team had two shots on goal and they both went in. Um, and then you have tonight where you defend your ass off for 78 minutes and a poke away clearance just finds the foot of an oncoming Rusnak. all credit to him for the effort play to get to that loose ball first but i mean it was already kind of half cleared and then he you know comes on the run and puts the ball away you know, i'm also that, gonna say i think dane's gonna be kicking himself that he didn't get all the way down for that he read it yeah, right yeah no i i completely agree but that's to say this this defense has blinked and they're at the they're at the point right now where the attack has been so just disjointed and so lacking in production that the blink has cost them matches and you shouldn't necessarily be trusting your defense so much to a point where they can't just blink once. And all of a sudden you you're not getting anything out of the match. If you think back to this point last year, the exact same thing was happening, except we were focusing on Dane St. Clair instead of the defense because yep. Dane saved their bacon over and over and over and over in April and May last year. And yep. they got points and they got results because of it. Mm -hmm. Playing an otherworldly game now, which means they're losing games, which is normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not good, but it's normal when you set up and can't score. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Uh, Dave Stevens says, this is popular, popular opinion, but SBJ looked good. Is there any chance we'll see him as the nine and he's four, two, three, one, or with Mender Amaria and a four, four, two. Look, I, I, I like the question, Dave. That's a question we've had as well as a question. Obviously, I think we've already addressed to some level in this episode, but it seems like Heath is pretty steadfast in making him the 10 and the four, two, three, one. And I don't know what would have to happen in order for him to to change that opinion or change that mindset. But I mean, you know, this Minnesota United team has always been 
from a from a coaching standpoint, player very much keep their cards close to the chest in terms of what they're going to do and what they're going to roll out on match days. They have closed down practices sometimes where we're like, really, you're going to close down a practice on like a Tuesday ahead of a Saturday game? They're very much they they don't want people seeing or knowing what they're going to do. Adrian Heath has told us numerous times in midweek press conferences that Sang Bin Jong is a ten on this team. That shows you kind of where he sees same Ben lying and, and kind of where maybe he doesn't see him fitting in another spots. Right. And it's like the question reads differently if what do I expect them to do and what do I wish they would do? Yeah, right. Correct. Like I want to see the 442 just to see how it would work. I don't think it's going to happen. It's because it, that's the other like the flip side of this with with Heath and his cards close to the chest is he can, he can say that. If you look at the numbers from his entire Minnesota United coaching career, he's played 4-2-3-1 probably 85% of every game they've set up in. Doesn't matter who the personnel are, doesn't matter who's available. It's 4-2-3-1 every single week. Yep. There have been exceptions because of injuries. They played some 4-3-3, they played some 3-5-2, and they played a little bit of 4-4-2 they played earlier this year. But it's 4-2-3-1 every single time. Yeah, he go, he goes with what he knows. He goes with what has gotten him to the dance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you you know you do at some level have to credit him for being consistent and staying with you know the players know exactly what's expected of them. They know exactly where they're going to be. They know exactly what the formation is. They know exactly what their responsibilities are. There is something to be said for that, and I do think at some level that has been a net positive for this team over the last four you know four years in terms of the four straight playoff appearances. But maybe that's also hampered them in terms of not being able to get to that next level outside of those two. Uh, we're going to get back into the, uh, you know, breaking down the match in just a minute. But it's time to shout out our friends over at Galasso Kits, G-O-L-A-C-O Kits.com. And when you use code LOONS at checkout, L-O-O-N-S, you get 15% off. And what do you get 15% off of? A wide, wide, wide selection of unique vintage jerseys. No, you can't get the 2023 MLS, you know, Minnesota United Northern Lights kit at ColossoKits.com, but you can get your hands on a maybe a 2015 NASL era Minnesota United jersey or two. Uh, unique and vintage jerseys is what they specialize in, guys, and they have a huge selection of those national teams, Premier League clubs. Uh, clubs across Europe, Major League Soccer, lower league clubs, you name it, they've got it at Galasso Kits. My favorite thing to do is just go to GalassoKits.com and just kind of play around, as I imagine David is doing right now. And you just go, sort of check out what, they, what they've got on the site. Search your favorite team. Search a random club. Doesn't matter. And see what they have. It's not just jerseys. They have apparel. They have jackets. They have uh, just various team apparel as well. They also have some like mystery boxes as well, where you can pay uh, a certain amount to get a mystery box. It'll come with a, a jersey, a scarf, and a couple of other items. It's very, very cool. And again, when you use that code LOONS, you get 15% off at checkout. Very, very cool. Uh, David, I, I see you uh, avidly looking at your computer screen. Are you on the site right now? I I, I found the... That we got a the 2006 LA Galaxy style before they changed the badge. That that's like, yeah. You you want to talk about like MLS 1.0 stylings? They got that. You got some Miami Fusion in there. Oh yeah. Like it's 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 if you go way back before Minnesota United was even a thought, including yeah. the NASL edition. By the way, there's there's some stuff back there, and that's just looking at the USA section. So yeah. I'm 
I need to not look at this in the credit card and reach. I'll put it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please do. Please do. And use that code loons at checkout. That's here. great. Uh, GolassoKits.com. Code loons gets you 15% off. Check them out. Big thanks to our friends at Galasso Kits for supporting what we're doing here uh, on the Post Loons Post Game Show and the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. Um, if anybody's got any more questions or comments, we will stick around for just a few more minutes. It is 12.35 a.m. on the Central Time. So we are uh, going to wrap this up in just a few minutes. But, uh, David, we have a Detroit City U.S. Open Cup match on Tuesday. We've sort of briefly touched on that a little bit. The team's actually going to be traveling straight from Seattle to Detroit tomorrow. Adrian Heath confirmed that there will be a handful of MNUFC2 guys on the roster considering how thin this team already is. You would expect that in a normal circumstance, but considering they had less bench players than they were allotted tonight uh, against Seattle, that's going to be huge. Uh, Emmanuel Iway, Zaydan Bello, uh, Britton Fisher will still be with the, the first team for that one as well. Uh, Devin Paddleford will be there as well. So a handful of twos guys. Uh, on Tuesday, and then you turn around and you uh, welcome FC Dallas and a an inform FC Dallas team to Allianz Field next Sunday. Uh, what is what is what do you want to see from this team? What does this team need to show you over the next eight days, David? Uh, I look at um, these two matches in regards to the Open Cup game. Um, I would like to see more of Emmanuel Iway. I have yes. greatly enjoyed the bits that I have seen of him when he got to cameo in an MLS match. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't for, forget which game that was, but I like the bits that I've seen there. And I think him getting some more exposure and some more time with the first team could be really good for his development. Yep. Um, I said earlier, Luis Maria should start this game and I expect to see him score. Yeah. Like expect, not expectation. want. Yeah. Like, in open score. in open play too, not from a PK. In, in open play, not a PK. Yep, that's right. So, like the 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 two Z's guys, I'm excited for like and, but if, like if Luis plays some paddle, is paddle for a striker? My two Z's knowledge. No, he's, is, no, he's he's a defender. He's a defender. Okay, yeah. My two Z's knowledge is not what it should be. That's um, right. but yeah. So I I always the name that I know and will yeah. be excited to see. I'll be interested to see if any of the people that were unavailable tonight are available for that game. I know um, Brent Coleman was not available for this game due to a family matter. Um, Will Trapp was unavailable for this game. Lamar Lawrence injuries. Did a personal issues as well. Um, And we were given no timeline in the post-game press conference on, you know, when Kamar could return to the team. Um, His mother is dealing with a health issue. So that's sort of his, you know, takes precedent, obviously, as it should for him right now back in Jamaica. Um, Will Trapp. No expectations for any of those guys, but it's just one of those, a consideration when you're dealing with a little bit of fixture pile up. I wouldn't expect Mm -hmm. to see any of the players that started tonight start in this game at the very least. Yeah. Maybe, like, maybe, maybe, the- maybe saying Ben to get, get, get his fitness, you know, keep his fitness up because he, he did play 10 more minutes tonight. Well, so and maybe it, but he's it's the like guy you want to save him for playing his full allotment of minutes on Saturday in a double game week, or yeah. do we want to focus, focus on getting the fitness up and use him off the bench on in the Dallas game? Yeah. Cause like the Dallas game is big. And the fact that, they the loons haven't gotten a win at home yet this season correct and that's doesn't feel great no 
No, it so doesn't. Dallas is good, but they need to come out strong and with best possible 11 mm-hmm. for Saturday. So I would like, I love the Open Cup. I don't want them to tank the Open Cup, but I would expect to see a lot of reserves in the Open Cup because the Dallas game is huge. Yeah, no, the Dallas game is, and it's an it's an interesting follow up to their opener in Dallas as well because we saw how they played in the opener in Dallas. It was that four two three one four three three hybrid Lud as the more the third defensive midfielder, if you will, um, as the 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 ten so to speak. But now they're playing again that more attacking style where maybe they're sacrificing more in the defense. And this is an FC Dallas attack that has seemed to find their form after waiting more than a year to try to find their form. They seem to be, uh, you know, kind of kind of clicking right now. So it'll be really interesting to see if Minnesota can up their game and, uh, you know, follow up that that win at Dallas with with something similar at Allianz Field on Sunday. Um, quick programming alert: no post loons following Detroit City on Tuesday. We will have it though after FC Dallas on Sunday, um, and that'll do it for post loons this week. Uh, big thanks to David Naylor for staying up late and jumping on. Big thanks to everybody else who's watched and contributed and listened and did whatever uh, stayed up late with us or whether you're watching or listening after the fact. We very much appreciate it. Check us out at SodaSoccer.com. Support our work at Patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. And while you're on the YouTube channel, guys, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you're not. And uh, tap that bell to be notified whenever we drop a new episode or a new video on the YouTube channel. And if you're watching on Twitter, give us a retweet, give us a follow, give us a like, uh, help us out in those ways as well. Uh, For David Naylor, I'm Jeremy Rushing. This has been Post Loons, and we will follow up with you next Sunday after Loons and FC Dallas at Allianz Field. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody.